that's good. We'll have more time, ample time, for a conversation over Burger Sunday. That's the whole point. We'll go out of here at the end. We'll turn left, and uh, we're, we're going to, ironically, we're celebrating the end of the fasts with Burger Sunday, and I think that is perfect because here's one of the keys to life we often miss. We think that God might be angry. We think that God isn't any fun, and we forget that God is the God of celebration. Well, that doesn't sound right, Ted. Did you really go to one of them seminaries? Yeah. God is the God of celebration. So when we did the fast, we weren't trying to deny ourselves or deprive ourselves. The goal of the fast was to pick something that we knew deep down in our souls. If we would do less of this or maybe eliminate it altogether, that would be good for us. And we could then focus on better things, maybe the best thing but certainly better things. And so we each chose, it wasn't assigned to us, something we needed to give up. Now, here's one of the keys between being a successful person and being a failure. And we'll pick social media. Let's say social media, you're going to fast from social media. It's not good for me. I don't feel better afterwards. And then you get the email. Somebody in your family posted something. Could be about a wedding or a baby. Do you really, are you, they're trying to communicate with you and you don't care enough to, to check? So you know you move the app to the last page and you buried it deep into a folder. You click on it and you open it up and it's not. It's just reposting a news article. So you're then reminded while you were doing the fast. And here's where we have a choice in all kinds of things in life, success or failure. What do we do next? We were going to fast from social media and we fell for it. So now what do you do? Well, since I'm here, I've already broken my fast. The old phrase is, you'll fall off the horse. So do you get back on? Or do you now say, well, I guess we're walking from now on. You get back on. So you were out with friends. Let's say yours was a booze fast. And now you're out with friends, and they're celebrating. And so, okay, you have, a, have one, and then you, then you have two success failure. Do you then say, well, I've broken my fast, and you jump in with both feet? No. You say, okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'm on a fast. Tomorrow's a new day. The difference between success and failure is failure says, well, I've already made the mistake. I might as well just jump in with both feet. And the successful person says, well, that wasn't what I was trying to do. Tomorrow's a new day. Let me pause right here. Tomorrow's a new day. We'll start fresh. That's what we're trying to accomplish with the fast. Dan was sending out emails day eight. Dan sent an email out, the uh, New Testament bit about our bodies are a temple of God. Now, even non-Christians, people are working on, on, on weight and bodybuilding and food. They'll talk about your body's a temple. You have to treat it accordingly. So Dan's point was, well, it's not just junk food, but the kind of TV show, it's just junk TV. That's not good for you. Maybe you can get away with a little bit. Have a few Doritos, but you can't just sign up for the whole show, what is it that we're doing that we're taking a fast from because we know it's not good for us? Maybe a little bit is fine, but we have to be careful it's been too much. So we're fasting. Our body is a temple. We should treat it like that and reminding ourselves we're not depriving ourselves, but we are choosing to do less of this, maybe eliminate it altogether so we can do more of, more of the good stuff. Although earlier success was over here, I realized. So 
get rid of the bad stuff so we can do more of the good stuff. We miss that God is a God of celebration, but it's true. We read through the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is brutal. But you know what? Life was brutal 3,000 years ago. Have you ever read uh, the Odyssey, the Iliad, Homer? Oh my goodness. There isn't anything in there you want to trade your life for. On a rare occasion, I'll look over my wife's shoulder as she's watching some, you know, period drama from 200 years ago. There is nothing in that that I would trade cars and flush toilets for. Can I get an amen? What are we, camping? All right. Frilly dresses and a nice ball gown and a, and a, I don't know, cummerbund? No, I don't want any of that. Life is good right now. But the reason why we're going to talk about hopelessness, we're going to address hopelessness. You already have the hopelessness. We'll just address it. It's because it's an election season, and so that always gets crazy. So we'll get out in front of it with the ultimate perspective, and that's good. But what I really want to focus on is what's going on in your life and mine. The times we feel lonely and failure and fear, and it's a health issue. It's a financial issue. It's all the stuff that we have going on, and we forget that God is a God of celebration. So in the Old Testament, that's brutal. They had all kinds of celebrations. Some of those we still have. They would celebrate the harvest. We don't celebrate the harvest enough. For one, we're not harvesting. But the point of the celebration of the harvest wasn't just, yay, we get to eat for another year. The point of the harvest was we're in a partnership with the creator of the universe. We didn't create dirt. We didn't create photosynthesis. We didn't create the sun. We didn't create the rain. What we did was we took this seed from last year's crop. We didn't consume it all. We put some away, and we saved it, and now we're just dropping it in the ground in partnership and faith that God will produce food for us. And it worked. We have our part to play. God has the supernatural photosynthesis part to play. And it worked. And they were reminded, as brutal as this life is, we're not going through this alone. God is still at work. When a, when a mommy and a daddy really love each other, relationship glue that, that creates each of us, what did, God invented that on purpose. It's not like, what are you kids up to now? God invented money on purpose because it is relational glue. It, it, nothing motivates us to care about other people like money. Well, Ted, that doesn't seem right. It's not what the news says. That's exactly right. Just think how much you're motivated. Maybe you would do 25% of your job on, a, on, on, its, on its own. Wouldn't even get paid for it. For me, I'd probably do 75% of the job I get paid to do. If you didn't pay me when I get to retirement age in 10 years, I'm still going to be doing 75% of my job. The other 25%? No. That's what I get paid for. And even the 75%, there will be times when I'm like, eh, I won't do it this week. The paycheck is the motivation to invest in each other at a whole different level. I know that's not what the news says, but God invented money as a celebration of being a partner with God. If we will recognize that and celebrate it, our lives will be a lot more fun. I have this unique gift. You have your unique gift, whatever unique gift is. I like people. That makes me really unique. That's my unique gift. It's like seven of us in the world right now. It is. But I, I like people. And then when I get to use that in a way that helps other people get gifts or, or, gifts or uh, certificates of appreciation in return, 
And then I get to turn around and spend those on people with other gifts. Like, you know, plumbers, right? Roof repair people. I don't have those gifts. This morning's big uh, joy at our house is I got the living room fan to stop clacking because John the engineer came out last year and made it stop clacking. And then we were playing Nintendo sports and crashed. Uh, the 15-year-old's getting taller, right? And crashed into the fan. So then we had to figure out how to fix it. We just did what John did all over again. I don't have the repair gifts. The kids at our house have always called it mommy's toolbox. I don't love that. But it's true. You have your gifts. I have mine. And when the, when money, the celebration of money is that God gave me something that I can contribute to society, solve problems for God's other children. In return, I get paid and I get meaning. Money is meant to be a celebration. Do we treat it as such? No. But that's why God created all the celebrations so that we'd remember Sabbath. God invented the weekend so that we would contribute to society and then pause. Stop. In a classic Jewish household that really observes Sabbath even today, you can move the table and the chairs. You can do whatever work is required to celebrate with your family and friends. You can't answer the phone to make money. You can't have a conversation about money. That's what Sabbath is. Today, we're not making money. So if somebody calls... Don't answer it. We're not doing business today. That's why, what, can't go to, that's why we're in Burger Sunday, because we can't go to Chick-fil-A, right? That's the basic premise. What's the other one? Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. I should know, if you look through our checkbook of, of expenditures, that's most of them. Not sure I'm acting like I don't know what Hobby Lobby is, but now at a corporate level, in the olden days, what they were trying to pull off was the same. Okay, well, God said one day a week don't make money, but work really hard the other six. We're supposed to be celebrating the fact that if you're in a position, if I'm in a position where we're stressed about money, we're forgetting that God's in charge, God gave us a gift, God is giving us opportunities to serve our fellow humans. All of this is meant to pop me a pause and celebrate. We're supposed to celebrate. So the reason why we're having a fast with Burger Sunday is so you go out and you turn left and it's Burger Sunday. And it's good. A guy from Chicago is cooking them. You know it's good. And there's half Chicago dogs. There's hot dogs and celery salt. We don't have the right buns. And if you're from Chicago, I don't want any complaints from Jeff up here. It's not. It's, if you don't have the right buns, it's not a Chicago dog. Can I get an amen? I pray for Jeff. He's a Bears fan, and now he doesn't have the right buns for Chicago dogs, right? So, but he's here, and we, we love that. Maybe, maybe Burger Sunday isn't so helpful to you. Maybe, it, maybe it's the bun. Well, wrap it in lettuce. You can, put, you can cobble together a reasonably decent salad out there. Whatever is helpful to you, we want to celebrate that we're not alone the biggest uh, challenge we keep being told these days is loneliness, and we forget to do the joyous celebration. We get so caught up in screen time and living life, we think effectively, but missing the challenge of people. People are a challenge. I like people, as I said, and people are a challenge. There is an individual whom I love who said they weren't going to be here this week, and I said, oh, man, that is great. And he said, you're going to miss me. And I said, not as much as I'm going to celebrate you just taking a break. Sorry, you're going to be gone. But, you know, it's good for you and I to have a break. I love you probably more than your own spouse does. Without question. Without question, I love him more than his own spouse does. But 
she's probably also celebrating that he's traveling. You know what I'm saying? That's some people you just need a little break from. People are difficult, but we can then bury ourselves from the world, and then we lose meaning. So we're going to jump into something starting uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I was excited. One of you came in and said, I asked for Super Bowl Sunday off. Kind of a big deal, right? People want Super Bowl Sunday off. We're going to have a Super Bowl kickoff party. It's going to, the game will be in the kids' room. They've got a good sound system in there and TVs, and it'll work, right? You can go in there, and you can listen and, and try to limit the side bets. But the rest of us are going to be in the big room, and the game will be on with its inappropriate commercials, I'm sure. But the sound, sound will be turned down, and we're going to be playing games, like board games and chili cook-off. And we've got some uh, Chicago dogs, real ones, coming, and, uh, and Sonoran hot dogs, chili cook-off. If you've got award-winning win, uh, winning chili, then bring it. And if you just have uh, chili that's a step above soup, bring that too. That'll be fine. We're, we're good. There's a sign-up sheet out there. But we did the fast because if I ask you for six weeks, starting Super Bowl Sunday, to give us a night of your life for six weeks to get together with a group of people and uh, watch the Rick Warren video, discuss the book you've been reading, you would say, Ted, my life is too busy. And you're right. So we're trying to fast from things that might be, might be good. But we're going to fill it with something better. And the whole point of the six weeks is to address, what on earth am I here for? We're going to get rid of the good. I tried to watch the Elvis movie. I watched it like five nights in a row, you know, a little bit here and there. And then I looked after the fifth night. I still had two hours and 40 minutes to go. How do you people do this? Oh, my gosh. Screen time for me is fairly painful. You want to know why? Because I'm not talking. Can I get an amen? All of my family will agree with that statement. My wife doesn't need to laugh that hard. I don't need screen time, but for some of you, that takes time. So we're going to pause so that we can carve out a night of the week. Get the kids taken care of. We're going to get together. C.S. Lewis said about giving something up. C.S. Lewis, the, the, the scholar, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis said, we can look at Christian people, good people, and say, well, they don't have the temptations that I do. And C.S. Lewis said, that's crazy. No one knows how bad they are until they have tried very hard to be good. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. And that's everybody. So we're going to try to lessen some of those things that take a lot of time. You look it up. People are watching two to three hours of TV a day. They're, they're scrolling a couple hours a day. No wonder we don't have time to look up and talk to each other. So if you fell off the horse, we're going to get back on, and we are going to focus on 40 days of purpose. And it's not willpower to give that stuff up. We're suggesting that we should do the godly thing, like celebration, and do joy power. What is better is worth it. This is good, but we're going to stop that because over here is better. We're not depriving ourselves. We're limiting this so that we can have time and energy for something better. We are saying that God is going to give us something worth more than the temptation. Whatever this temptation is, 
We're going to ask God to give us something worth it, something better. Trade the doom scrolling for interaction with a real human being. And we call that joy power, not willpower. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, I can a little bit. Joy power. I, I, don't, I don't want that. An old guy friend said to me a long time ago, I was whining about something stupid, and he said, Ted, here's the thing. If you're complaining, then you're not excited enough about what's coming. What's that again, old man? If you're complaining about what happened, you're not excited about enough of your future. You need to get more excited about your future so that the things that happened, yep, they happened, but what we're really excited about is what's coming. Huh. Joy power and not willpower. And we think, well, what could be better than a combined six hours a day of Netflix and doom scrolling? After three hours of doom scrolling, nobody feels better. So maybe we need to delete some apps completely but we certainly need to set some timers and limit ourselves so that we can focus on something that's better. And the better almost always involves two things. One, accomplishment, using your gifts. I find, shockingly, doing laundry some weeks, the family laundry, is really helpful. I have one of those jobs where I'm never quite sure if it's done, right? I can cross some things off the list, but some things, they're ongoing. And to just do the laundry and see it all in the basket that the kids will now pick through and not put their clothes away for another week is really moderately satisfying for me. That one time a month that I do the laundry, I put it there, then they put the clothes away, they sort them together while singing, and then put them away in the drawers, and then say, thanks, Dad, for doing the laundry. That does not happen every week. When it happens, I barely believe it's happening. I don't mean to call my children liars, but sometimes it's really nice to just accomplish something. So the joy power is going to, what makes us feel better is almost always one of two things, accomplishment, using our gifts to accomplish something, or two, relationships, relationships that are good for us, doing the things that make the relationships happen. And Jesus said the relationships are with our creator and those God has put around us. So we are going to focus on relationships around us and the God of the universe and the entire big picture. That perspective of what are we here for, that shift of excited celebrating with God, the harvest celebrations over money and relationships and all kinds of things. This is from Ephesians 5. So Paul, who didn't believe in Jesus at all, was openly trying to kill those who believed in Jesus right after Jesus was gone. And then Jesus, from heaven, says to Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, well, this is awkward. I didn't know you were real. I'll stop. And then Paul learned about Jesus and then started teaching others about Jesus, started planning church in the ancient world. And so he wrote this to the church in Ephesus. I think it's modern-day Turkey in the Roman Empire. Be careful how you live, not as, what's that word? Fools. We talked about this last week. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. I assume he's talking about the election season, but I'm not sure. There could be other things. Don't act thoughtlessly or mindlessly. Well, that's what I always do. But try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
So remember what Dan wrote in the email. Our bodies are, are temples. We are created by God. We should treat them as such. Created on purpose by the creator of the universe. So that last line, to understand what the Lord wants you to do. And the question is, what does the Lord want me to do? So sign-ups begin today. They're out there as you're in line for Burger Sunday. Put your name down. And based on who signs up, we're going to make the small groups. I guarantee they're going to be good. Beginning Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to spend 40 days intentionally on purpose, intentionally choosing on purpose to look at that question. What does God want me to do? What am I here for? What is there in life that's more than just getting up? We have uh, uh, some recent conversations. So, so right here is Edward, who's delightful and uh, works for Tucson Police Department, moved out of uh, the family home and now has his own apartment. And so all of those of us who are beyond that stage of life, half of us at least, more than half, we know that there's all kinds of changes that come with that. Starts, you start asking some questions. Edward and I were laughing this morning. He's now making his own coffee. You know what? That run to, to Dutch Brothers doesn't need to happen anymore. There's other bills to be paid. Dutch Brothers now becomes a treat. The 15-year-old, he's going through another growth spurt. If you see him, he's about six inches taller than I am at our house. And he said, whew, another growth spurt. Just, it makes school really tough, right? You got the five days. He actually cares. He's doing track, all the fun things, right, friends? But then the weekend comes, and it doesn't quite seem enough before you're back to work. And his mother and I, because we love him, said, yeah, that's how life works. Which, in hindsight, maybe wasn't the most encouraging, but, but we get caught up, all of us. Past the age of eight, we get to realize, is this all there is? It's just this, the, the daily routine, you plant the seeds, you water the seeds. While the seeds are waiting, you get the sickle sharpened. I don't actually know a lot about farming, maybe you could tell, but you know where I was going with that, right? I probably could have come up with a different analogy on the fly. We get caught up in the, is this the drudgery, is this what it is? The kids are little, and it's, uh, man, they're so sweet and so delightful, and oh, man, can they just go away? And then they get older and they go away. And then you think, where'd they go? One of my old guy friends said, you will never be so worried about your kids as the day they walk out of your house because you realize they're not ready. I know these kids better than anybody, and oh, this could really go poorly. We wonder if this is all there is. So for 40 Days of Purpose... We're going to sit down. So 25 years ago, Pastor Rick Warren, who's brilliant, took a sabbatical, and he wrote this book. He's trying to answer the question in Southern California. He's trying to answer the question, what, how do I explain Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Heavenly Father, to normal, everyday people who are wondering, is this all there is in life? And he did a brilliant job. He broke it down to five purposes God has created us for. It's going to be an adventure. So this week, I was wondering, okay, we've done the fast. How can I look people in the eye and ask for one day a week, every day to read, they say 15 minutes. It's about four and a half pages, a pretty big Times New Roman type. I think you can get through it faster than 15 minutes, but if you want to soak in it, that's good. But every day, read a few pages, memorize one verse a week. I think that's going to be revolutionary. Memorize what now? I don't even know my own phone number. 
and then to meet with a group on purpose six times every Friday night. And I thought, hmm, how am I going to get people to do this? So I went to some of the crankiest people I know. Any guesses? New Yorkers. And I started talking to them about what, would, what it would take. They couldn't even comprehend it. So I went to the second crankiest people I've interacted with, people from London. This is one of the London newspapers had this article. A cranky woman in London agreed to do a seven-day joy challenge and write about it. And uh, mostly she came up with the fact that, uh, much to her surprise, spending time with other people made her happy. Her quote in the article was, it made me even happier than spending time with my hens. <laughs> Chickens in London? I things have changed. Things have changed since I was there. She said, I'm not naturally overflowing with contentment, and I'm not optimistic. Who's considering joy when the horror of world events unfolds around us hourly? That's how she started her article. Somebody needs a news fast. Can I get an amen? She said, I'm not optimistic, obviously, but I'm ready to give it a chance. And it was things like notice people laughing, be happy with someone who had something good happen to them. So my dad would tell you that you cannot be happy unless you're also happy for other people being happy. If somebody else having something good happen makes you miserable, stop. You have to be able to be happy with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, the Bible says. And then uh, make a gratitude list in the article. She was pretty whiny about that. My favorite part of the article wasn't even the chickens. My favorite part is when she got all done, she said, according to this, my, my joy has increased by 14%. It's putting a number on joy. She said, being more, this is her final line. The conclusion seems to be that I do feel more joy by 14%. I need to become a more uh, connected, outward-looking person. Amen. If you are talking with someone you love who's struggling, don't you find that they're a little too inward-looking and they're disconnected? I'm going to take that as a sign on high. The answer is yes. We want to be more outward-focused and better connected. The, Jesus said, love God and love others. Not to put words in her mouth. She would not agree with any of that, I'm sure. But love God and love others. So... How do busy people have time to meet together? How do we meet together and address one of society's biggest loneliness, disconnected epidemics we have going on? So we did the fast. And now, Hebrews 12, 1. It's a great verse. Is it up here? This is what the fast was about. Here we go. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that, read this last part with me, so easily hinders our progress. That's what the fast was about. And maybe it was a full-on sin. Maybe it just wasn't that helpful. What slows us down. So we want joy power. We're going to replace some of those habits with better habits. Between now and Easter, our goal in 2024 is between now and Easter, and Easter is early this year, is we genuinely want to change our lives. replacing time spent on lesser things with other people in a small group. And what's this going to cost me, Ted? Well, the time to meet with other people and $20. You weren't expecting that, were you? So you buy the book and the booklet. What, what piano boy? Yeah. 
Musicians, musicians. What's, uh, what's the, what do musicians and a medium pizza have in common? Neither one can feed a family of four. <laughs> so you have to give up a night a week for six weeks and read the book and $20 for to buy the book and the booklet. And uh, Rick Warren is brilliant. So he knows that he has sold all these millions of books. We can just go find a used book probably for a nickel. So the brand new book is $5. Okay, you can't find one much cheaper than that. But the booklet that you write in, that one's 15. Because, you know, once somebody writes in a booklet, you don't want to know their thoughts. You don't care about them. So pretty brilliant. 20 bucks for the book and the booklet. You read 15 minutes a day. You memorize a Bible verse each week. You meet with a small group each week for six weeks. You sign up by the burgers. And here's the thing. Take this very seriously. Based on who signs up, we're making the groups. You will like your group. If not, you have my number, right? I know most of you pretty well already. But if you sign up, We'll make sure you get in a group that you will like, I promise. And you can always uh, call and text me to complain if you don't. And how much, so this lady, it got me thinking, this lady put her joy at increasing 14%. So I thought, okay, we've got some numbers people out here. Some of you didn't laugh at that. Some of you thought, yeah, 14%, that's not bad for one week. So for you people, I've got a number for you. I will bet you $100 out of my personal sock drawer that on Easter Sunday, you will be shocked and amazed at what you've learned, what you now better understand about life, how your life has improved, your optimism is up, you have more hope, you have more joy. This is an actual real-life $100 bill. If this were New York or London, I'd now put it, I'd take my shoe off, I'd put it in my sock at the bottom so it'd be stinky. But I'm going to trust you won't pickpocket me. Here's the thing. My sock drawer only has $1,100 in it. So 11 of you, I'm willing to bet 100 bucks. If we do 22, we're going to have to make it 50. But here's what we're going to do. You pick something. You pick something serious. And if you'll make the commitment, I'm going to read the book. I'll memorize the, the verse. I will go to the group for six weeks. I'll participate. If you will do that, I'm betting you $100. I'd bet you more, but I could bet one of you $1,100. Here's the thing. When this happens on Easter Sunday and you have more optimism and you've, you have more joy and more hope and you've seen a difference, I don't need the $100 from you. That'll be more. I like people, remember? That's worth more to me. My wife has been married to me for 25 years. She still doesn't understand that human interaction is the top of my list more than anything else. I'll figure out money. I can buy my own pants. But human interaction is what feeds me. To see your life improve, I'll bet you 100 bucks. Because it's going to happen. Read the book. Go to the group. You will be amazed by Easter Sunday. That's when we're going to wrap this up. So be specific. Get prayed up. Be specific and write it down. You don't even have to show it to me. For most of you, I already know what yours is going to be anyway, but an addiction, a relationship, an attitude, anger, rage, bitterness, fear, feeling alone, feeling lost, health, finances. I don't know what your one thing is, but right now, if it's a wish, I, w I wish it would get better because you don't have the faith that God will actually make it better. We're going to start on Super Bowl Sunday, and we're going to put the effort in with our creator to try to get that harvest celebration. I do my part. God does God's part. It's a miracle of growth. We don't even think of photosynthesis as a miracle. 
It is. The dirt, the sun, the seed, the rain, that's crazy. It works. If you don't think it works, create your own dirt. Come up with your own seed. It doesn't work. We need God, and so we're going to bring God back into this. And by Easter, we're trying to turn that wish into believing God will change it. And it starts with a prayer challenge. So 100 bucks. You write it down. We'll both sign and date it. And I promise you that when you go to the group and you do the reading, you and I will spend eternity high-fiving each other on those heavenly streets of gold. And I also promise you this. Will this turn out on Easter Sunday like exactly like you think it will? No. It'll be better. Because we always think too small. The reason why we have this is we're already stuck. So we're going to be partnered with the God of the universe? You think he's going to go, yeah, yeah, it's a good plan. It hasn't worked for 38 years. Let's keep it going. No. He's going to bring a whole new perspective. I know it. Because not only have I done it, but I do it all the time. All right, God, here's the thing. We're going to be specific. We're going to be intentional. We're going to write it down. We're going to pray about it. Last, my fast was um, fasting from my New York humor, which is delightful in many occasions. But not all. Most weeks, I've said something to one of you. It's like, ooh, that was probably, I hope that, I hope that landed the way it was intended. So I was uh, mocking one of my, I was enjoying New York humor with my, one of my friends far away. But he does, my defense was he doesn't know I'm fasting, right? Can I get an amen? And the 15-year-old said, Dad, that's not how fasting works. In order for it to work, it has to be internal to you. It doesn't matter what anybody else knows. You don't have to go around announcing to everybody what we're doing. I've told you this story before. So we're in our old church north of Chicago. We're, we're in a small group. We're in a very nice home full of corporate people doing very well. And uh, one of the husbands had talked to me. He said, Ted, I'm starting to believe some of this might be true. He said, but here's my challenge. I'm actually not being faithful to my wife. I have a travel job. I'm gone all the time. It's pretty typical in my circle at my level. And uh, so I'm starting to think for the first time that there are consequences to this beyond the obvious. He said, I don't know what to do about that exactly. So we were talking about this. So then my wife, who is dear and sweet and lovely, was leading prayer time for the group. And she said, write down your prayer request. You see where this is going? So it's just a small group of very wealthy people and Jenny and I. High achievers and Jenny and I. And so I look at him and he looks at me and, and he writes it down sitting next to his wife. It was, like I said, you don't have to show it to anybody else. And then Jenny, dear and sweet, said, okay, now we're going to pass this to the person on our left so we can pray together. And I hurt myself leaping across the room. No, 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 no. That's not how we're announcing this. But if you tell me something, I don't go home and tell Jenny, just so you know. If you tell Jenny something, she's not reporting it to me. You want us both to know. You have to tell us both. I want the interaction anyway. Can I get an amen? But I didn't tell Jenny what was going on. That was between he and I and the God of the universe. We were making some strides. 
I'm saying this is going to be different than you expect. If you've lost all hope that God can even be God in your life, I'm asking for six weeks starting Super Bowl Sunday to give him a shot. Read the book, memorize the verse, go to the group. So go out and, and sign up. And Easter Sunday 2024 is going to be fun. It's going to be a celebration. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I already know that you're going to do some amazing things in these 40 days of purpose. And I know there's people sitting here genuinely stressed, trying to figure out how they could possibly pack that into their lives right now. But Lord, I know lives are going to be changed. I know families are going to be changed. I know marriages. I know friendships. There's going to be friendships made that there are people sitting here couldn't even imagine. Lord, we're going to be a witness to miracles. And we already thank you in advance. I ask for the faith necessary to, for some of us to even take the first step. We thank you for what's already happened in the hearts of people. I thank those who will be signing up or at least willing to lead a group, to host a group. Lord, I pray for those to actually take the time each day to read, to pray. Help us realize that just by following the process, we're already a success because faith pleases you, even when it starts so small. I thank you for all of those who will write down the names of friends and relatives and make the effort to invite them. Maybe they'll come and maybe they not, maybe they won't. But what you bless is the faithfulness. Thank you for their love for you, for their love for others. I thank you for our church staff and volunteers willing to fast and weep for the souls of others to take on the extra challenge of doing 40 days of purpose. And most of all, I thank you for the Roman cross, because we do this in Jesus' name. Lord, we don't want to be people who are letting life pass us by anymore. We want to genuinely know and act accordingly on who you are and why we're here. For all the days that we have, they're not endless. For some days we're panicked about that and some days we're thankful. Lord, our days here are not endless. We want them to be meaningful. Help us know what to cut out so we can focus on what's important. Thank you for giving your life for us. May we have the courage to give it right back, to be a partner with you. Lord, we want to be a part of what you're going to be doing over these next 40 days. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.